The following opinions and ideas are that of the host and or contributors of the Eat This podcast and are for the purposes of general information and entertainment only and do not necessarily reflect the thoughts or ideas of the distributor. Broadcasting from her closet, high above the streets of Toronto, this is Eat This with Leanne. Here's your host, Leanne Philipson. We are a mixed bag of jeans. No, not the faded blue, ripped, or dark wash type. Our jeans carry the information that determines our traits, those features, those characteristics that are passed on to us from our biological parents. Our genes drive our health, even influence the food that you prefer to eat, and carry information that makes you who you are and what you look like. For instance, do you have freckles like my kids? Yep, my genes showed up in my girls with freckles. My youngest even has one on her lip, just like me. Do you have curly or straight hair? Do you have long legs or short legs? Your genes even dictate how you might smile or laugh. We humans have in the realm of 25,000 to 35,000 genes, although that number seems to differ depending on what you read. We have a genetic predisposition that can be explained as an increased likelihood of developing a particular disease based on our genetic makeup. You know, there are some situations where your father and then his father and his father, well, they've all had heart attacks at a certain age or some sort of disease is cropped up at a certain time. And you might think that you're destined to have the same experience. That's the kind of thing that I'm talking about with this predisposition. It's actually a situation called specific genetic variation. And it can contribute to someone developing heart disease, diabetes, cancer, or even arthritis. But it isn't necessarily the direct cause of it. Some people with this predisposing genetic variation will never get the disease while others will, even within the same family. Haha, but why? That's often called the million dollar question and brings us to the discussion of epigenetics. Now, I know, I know, I just created another question that caused your train of thought to come to a dead stop. Epi, huh? What? But before you hit pause or abandon this episode altogether, thinking this is going to hurt my brain, hang on, because today on Eat This with Leanne, let's dip our toe into the pool of genetics. genetic testing for health and also epigenetics. It sure sounds cool, but really, what does it all mean? Why do you need to know about your genes and how they influence you? But most importantly, how can they really impact every aspect of your health and life and what can you do about it? The area of genetic testing for health and epigenetics is one that I myself are learning a lot more about. And so I thought having more of an expert than me on the podcast today. What? What? Would, oh, really? There's no such thing, Leanne. Oh, no. It's no, like no, no, no. Tr- it's like trying to find a purple unicorn. There's no such thing. <laughs> as a- <laughs> no, I bow to this. I bow to this big one because when you start getting into things like snips and all those numbers that follow afterwards, right. I'm like, 
deer in the headlights. No, I'm going back under the duvet. Hang on a minute. This is going to take a lot more brain space. Let me load up on the fish oils before I even think about getting into this. But like, it's really, it's super, super fascinating. I think that there's so much more to come in all of this. So I reached out to Natalie Nidham. She is a holistic nutritionist. She's a bulletproof human potential coach. She will tell us more about that and really focuses on genetic testing and epigenetics with her clients. I first met Natalie through a colleague and my interest was piqued when I saw her speak. And she said, well, we don't all absorb vitamin D really well from sunshine because of our genetics. Well, that just made me <laughs> that just made me think, oh, great. I get to get on my supplement soapbox even more and tell everyone that you must take my sunshine D3 and K2 liposome spray because of absorption. I'll just do that at any old time that I can because I truthfully believe that this is a much better way of getting it. But it also answers the question, while we are all so deficient in, let's say, vitamin D in particular here and need to take more, especially in COVID times and as the fall and the winter sets in. So without further ado, let's welcome Natalie to Eat This with Leanne. Please tell us about yourself and the work that you do with epigenetics and as a human potential coach. That's quite the title. I love it. Tell us more. (laughs) Thank you, Leanne. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, So I I work with clients, mostly one-on-one. Sometimes I'll run group programs every once in a while. Um, And I run now a fairly large Facebook group that are all you know, biohacking, superhuman performance people. And basically on the epigenetics front and this, you know, the the epigenetics is probably the last piece that I've added. And, you know, as a, as a health coach and as a nutritionist, we're always adding tools to our toolkit, if you will. So I started off as a nutritionist. I then added the human potential piece. And this was really about kind of tapping into people's psyche to help them to change their behavior for the better. And really about, as a nutritionist, I found myself doing a lot of work, getting people out of an imbalanced state, getting them to a balanced state so that they were feeling good. But the human potential coaching really came in in terms of getting them to the next level, like this optimized state where they're feeling even better than good, right? Um, And then the epigenetic piece came in, I guess, the most recently. And that's really where, you know, it's about... Your friend is doing whatever nutrition plan your friend is doing, and then you go and do the same, and she's wildly successful. Her body composition is amazing. She's full of energy. She never has indigestion. Like, everything's amazing. You say, oh, my God, I need to do that. And so you go and do it, and you feel like a bag of broken toys, and you can't figure out why. And it's kind of tapping into this whole layer of bio-individuality, this layer of what is it that makes us different from each other? And when we're looking at genetics, what we're looking at is really your hard drive. How are you kind of set up? And what, right? And so what can we do from a behavior perspective and a lifestyle perspective and a nutrition perspective to kind of flip your switches the right way? Okay. So is this done through a test? Actually, before we get there, why don't you explain epigenetics? Okay. So epigenetics or the epigenome is every, so your genetics are your settings, okay. right? So though that's your, that's your computer system, like kind of your hard drive. The epigenome and epigenetics is 
all of the influences from the outside that are going to affect what switches get flipped on and what switches get flipped off. I'm a person who, oh, here's a good one. This, I love this. There's a gene called the cookie, the cookie jar gene. It's just kind right. of fun, right? It's actually not yeah. called that. It's actually the TAS2R38 gene, but the cookie jar gene kind of sounds better. What the cookie jar gene basically influences is our response to sugar. So I don't know, you've probably noticed that there's some people can have a little bit of sugar and they walk away. And we see this in kids sometimes. You see yes. little kids who can have a little bit of sugar. Like my son, you could put a giant bag of candy in front of him. He'll have one or two pieces and then he'll, he's good. Yep. You get the next kid or adult, because mm-hmm. this carries over into adulthood. They have one piece of candy and it's game over. They are right. not going to stop until the candy's gone. That gene, it turns out, is it's affected by sugar intake. And it's almost like when this person starts to eat sugar, it flips a switch in their brain, which, you know, is an oversimplification, of course. Yes. But it shuts off their inhibition to stop eating sugar. And so they literally can't stop. So Mm -hmm. what's really interesting about this from an epigenetic perspective is when somebody understands this, the idea is not to use it as an excuse that, oh, well, I can't help it, (laughs) right? Okay. The idea is to know yourself and to know that you kind of have to be an abstainer when it comes to sugar. If you want to stay away from sugar, you're the person that needs to not have it in the house or to buy just the portion that you know you want to eat so that you don't have to rely on willpower to stop. So epigenetics, if I'm right, can be influenced from the outside. Genes, genetics, it's kind of just how, how we're, how we're built. Like you said, it's like how you're wired. Yeah, it's literally how you're wired. And the epigenetics could be your diet, your lifestyle, the environment that you live in. It can even be stress, right? Because chronic stress we know affects us physiologically. And so chronic stress is going to affect the way that our genes express themselves. Right. So that means that somebody who is some, a person who is stressed, I mean, we all are, but let's just take two people standing there. One person could end up with heart disease from that stress and the other person could end up with cancer. Like, is that sort of right to say or not quite? Theoretically, I don't know if that's right, but you know what? The way I like to talk about stress, because I think, frankly, it's, it's a, chronic stress is a negative for anybody. Of course. And it's, it's really helping people to understand how important it is to learn to manage that stress. And in, a, okay. you know, in this day and age, Lord knows, there's yes. plenty of stress around. There's lots of reasons to stress. Yes. So what can we do, right? Yeah. So we don't want to walk around saying we're kind of cooked, Mm-hmm. What we want to do is learn to self-regulate. So whether that's through meditation or breath work or whatever, you know, exercise, whatever tools we can give people to help them to mitigate the effects of stress on them, both emotionally, mentally, and physiologically. Okay. And how does one find out if you have the cookie, gar- cookie jar gene or not? <laughs> so the particular panel that I... so. If you've done a search online, you will notice that every 10 minutes, they're popping up like mushrooms, like companies that will run your genetics are everywhere. Okay. Um, so it's been for me, I think I've had my genes run, mm, I don't know, five, six times from different companies as I've kind of journey, been on this journey. The company that I'm using currently is actually an American company. Okay. Um, and I keep trying to 
move away. From, you know, I mean, I just because you know you love to to support Canadian businesses, but they probably have one of the most comprehensive, best laid out reports that I found to date. Interesting. And that's they're one of the ones that report on the cookie jar gene, <laughs> amongst okay. many other more. You know, there's there's the anti nut gene. Like there's so many of these really interesting genes, right? So. Okay. And then there's the ones that you kind of really need to know about. <laughs> so you're saying that they're not all, all the tests, kind of like everything, are not created equally. So, yeah. I mean, look, at this point, they're all a swab. They're okay. either spit or a swab. Um, so they're all collecting genetic material. Actually, they're not typically spit. Most of them are swabs. Okay. Um, so they're all collecting genetic material from you. Yep. There's a variation in the methodology that they use to run your sample. Mm. to run your data. Okay. And I would say, you know, most of them are doing, are, are, are running pretty high quality data. I would say 23andMe, not so much. Okay. You a little bit get what you pay for. Um, part of it is how often they rerun the data so that they get consistency and okay. you, you eliminate some of that margin of error. Okay. Um, the panel that I use, and I would say the better ones, tend not to be direct to consumer. And the reason for that is because when, we're, when, I do a, when I do an interpretation of a genomic panel for a client, I don't say to them, oh, you have this gene, therefore this is you. I'm going to ask this client a lot of questions because what we know and what we've been talking about is whether or not a gene expresses has a lot to do with million factors, some of which we know and some of which we don't know. Okay. So before I go telling somebody they're addicted to sugar or they have a high propensity for addiction to sugar, and that's the word we use a lot, is propensity, yep. I'm going to find out from this person, what's your relationship to sugar, mm. right? Okay. How do you do? There's, there's genes that give us insight possibly into a person's um, ability to sense when they're full. I'm going to ask this person, so tell me about you and food. What's your relationship with food? Because... This is, and one of the most important things for people to understand about their genomics is that they're an indication, they're a propensity, but there's so many factors coming into play that it's not like we can look at someone's genetic report and say, you are ABC. Mm. We have to do a little bit of digging. We have to understand. You know, somebody could be carrying the FTO gene, which is associated with obesity, mm -hmm. but they could be lean as could be. This has to do with their lifestyle, their exercising, how they're living their life. Thanks for listening to the Eat This with Leanne podcast. Now more with Leanne Philipson. Like who would be a person who would decide to do a genetic test and say because the testing that you do I guess people are doing it through you they're coming to see you and then yeah. you organize them to have a specific test from the, the the company that you work with and then you go through it sounds like it's sort of just a I mean I think it was last uh, in my last episode I went through a consultation live with a client so it sounds like you're doing the same thing you're using the genetic testing to look into things further. So when I start working with a client, usually I'm working with clients over three to six months. We, I like to start with insight, right? I mean, I'm going to ask yep. them to fill out a huge health questionnaire. Yep. I'm gonna, you know, we, are, we all do this detective work with our clients, right? Yep. We like to, both for us and to draw their attention to what it is they may or may not be doing. Yes. But the testing that I like to do is I like to get an idea of their genomics 
I like to get an idea of their digestive health. So we're going to look at things like gut permeability or inflammation. And we're going to take a look at their blood work, even if it's just to establish a baseline of where they're starting from. Okay. And because, and you know what I've found and what I, a lot of clients have said to me is when they get a sense of their genomics, it gives them, it kind of gives them an anchor. Mm. And so they start to understand, oh, this is why, or, you know, or when it comes to supplementation, some people are really good at converting sunlight into vitamin D3, other people, not so much. So it, it helps us to, under, to get a better sense of the person. It helps us to, to focus on certain areas more than others. And that's really powerful because, as you said about the, the sunshine to D3, that's actually something that you mentioned the first time that, um, that I think that we met was when you were speaking. And I suddenly thought, ah, oh, of course, yeah. because some people have such a, well we're all extremely deficient i mean generally mm-hmm. generally speaking in in vitamin d3 and that's such an important one that i've talked about a million times especially to do with covid but then that just brought to my mind of yeah but even though you're in the sun that may not convert because of your because of your genetics absolutely and and the other thing is that the fact of the matter is that even people that are pretty efficient at converting vitamin d3 yeah they don't spend time in the sun we live right. a lifestyle now where we're fully closed. <laughs> right. We're mostly indoors. Yeah. Um, it depends on where on this planet you're living. Yeah. Um, and so there's a really good chance that some, most people are going to need some degree of, of vitamin D3 supplementation. Right. Right. So, yeah. and, and to your point, D3 it's bone health, it's yeah. immunity, it's hormone balance, it's mood, like it's so many things that it is. it's, you know, it's pivotal to human health. And it's crazy to me that people that, you know, I, it, it's disappointing to me because I try to get my clients, all of my clients, when they get their blood work done to have their vitamin D3 levels checked. Mm-hmm. And I'm amazed at how many doctors push against that. Oh, isn't that interesting? I find it disappointing because it's such an easy thing to check. And, and you know what? We end up paying for it anyway. The government won't pay for it anymore, but that's right. fine. Yep. Um, but it's, it does their clients a disservice because when somebody sees I'm low in this vitamin and it's so important, they're committed to taking that vitamin every single morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's crucial. I have the my own supplement line of seven supplements, and one of them is the D three K two. It's a liposome spray. So, oh, and I and I talk about that because of the absorption. Yeah, it happens starts to happen in the mouth. We don't have to just rely on digestion and liver to to take it in. So it also comes down to yes, you need to take vitamin D, but then the next step and the next question is which one do you need? And sometimes Absolutely. sometimes that can just be overwhelming for you know for for some people, which I totally understand. And listeners, please know that I've got a, a little something coming up for you guys that are feeling a little bit, um, a little bit overwhelmed. All right. So back to Natalie, where, um, <laughs> what, what are the, what are the most interesting findings that you've come across? Can you give us like a sort of a, a tidbit or something that you found that really, really helped someone who did the genetic testing? And then they were like, wow. I mean, it sounds so affirming mm-hmm. to know that first of all, as you called it an anchor, but yeah. can you just share a, a story or two from, uh, from someone where you thought, wow, this just, oh my gosh, this just totally changed my life. Maybe it changed their health, not necessarily their, you know, 
Well, I think that I stole my own thunder. I think that cookie jar gene is one of those genes that when people understand, like it's like a light goes on for them. Right. Oh, oh, that's why I can't stop eating pie. Like, you know, it's not just that I have no willpower. Like right. helping them to understand that it's, you know, it's not, it's not that they're weak. It's not. And, and so the light goes on and all of a sudden they feel like they have so much more power to affect their own outcome, if okay. you will. Um, another one, another one is, um, is, is melatonin. So melatonin also, we know as a hormone, we make less of it as we age. It's incredibly yeah. important for sleep, but it's also really important for immunity, for longevity, um, like for all of these different, these different powerful functions. Well, it turns out that some people um, metabolize melatonin really, really fast, Okay, but other people metabolize it very, very slowly. So my mom, for example, is one of those people. If she, if I give her melatonin before bed, she will not be able to get out of bed in the morning because her body just doesn't break it down fast enough. Mm. So for her, she needs a different type of melatonin. She actually needs to take it earlier in the day. Interestingly enough. Interesting. She's so slow. So it's not that melatonin is going to hit you over the head with a hammer and put you to sleep. It's more about regulating circadian rhythm. But it is also about all of these incredible benefits that people, you know, people are so worried about taking melatonin. Oh, my body's not going to make it anymore if I take it. And I'm like, I got news for you. If you're 80 years old or 70 or even 60 and probably even 50, you're not making enough anyway. Right. 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 Yeah. So let's figure out the way. And, and, you know, these people who are very slow metabolizers of vitamin D3, I mean, of melatonin, sorry, stuck on the D3, <laughs> yeah. um, on the melatonin, um, they can actually suffer depression if they take it too late and it, they're dragging themselves through the day the next day. So helping people to, it's just, I find that people in general, when you're talking to them about this stuff, they're so empowered and they, and they're, and they're so much, they're, they have so much clarity and we can even talk about, um, the macronutrient balance of your diet, right? Mm -hmm. Should you be a high fat person? Should you be, um, like heavy on the carbs? Well, if somebody has got a very high risk or propensity of developing insulin resistance, we're going to guide them very differently on their nutrition than we would someone who actually has quite a low risk. Okay. And I guess that would also speak to why some people do amazing on keto and other people can't keep it going for two weeks. Exactly. I mean, in, you know, it's, as you know, it's one of the many factors because you might be, you know, you may have the fat uh, privilege gene. I think it's the PPARG. Um, you may have that variant that means that you can eat fat almost with impunity, but if you've destroyed your gallbladder and your digestion and your liver's in rough shape, I don't care what your gene is, you're still going to struggle with fat. So, but it gives us that, that piece of the puzzle that says, you know, if we can get all these other things figured out and sorted out, you could move into a different world. So I just think, I think that for me, almost every client I've worked with, they've just, they've just walked away feeling so much more clear, so much more empowered. They all have these great aha moments. And, and then we kind of build on that moving 
stepping forward. What takes somebody to you or even just to go and have a genetic test? Do you find in your experience, are they, they've tried everything, they've done every diet or, or all of those sorts of things. And then they're like, there has to be an answer. There has to be more to this. Do I you think find that? Yeah. I think it's confusion. I think okay. people are, you know, and in our business, somebody's running around saying everybody needs to be vegan. Everybody needs to be keto. Everybody needs okay. to be this. And people are so confused because at the end of the day, everybody's right and everybody's wrong. And right. they get, I feel like people are getting to the point where first of all, they're more concerned about their health because today, these days, it's more important than ever to get yourself to a good baseline. Of course. Um, and I think it's just, they want clarity. And mm. more often than not, to your point, they're kind of tired. They're tired of trying everything under the sun and not getting the results that they want. Right. And they might just think, well, I tried this and I tried that. I'll try the next thing that's going to, you know, pop up and the new keto or the carnivore, or I, I don't know if we can even ever come up with any more diets because <laughs> there seems to be so many out there to follow. But the, res the restriction that you have to do, it has to come back to the individual. It has to come back to our hard drive, like you said, how we are made and our genetic makeup, but then also the influences, those epigenetics that are mm -hmm. turning the switches on and turning the switches off. I talk even so much with um, about one of, again, one of my supplements, the Kid Boost or the Skin Boost is the power of antioxidants and superfoods has the ability to help to keep gene expression switched off and then some people say yeah but you know my genes are my genes and it's that's just how I'm driven like yeah I wish we could blame it all on that yeah. and and in one of our episodes I remember uh saying that you know or maybe it was on a radio uh radio actually it was on radio where I said you know it's kind of only 25 percent that really of us yeah. that really drives that at 75 percent of the outside influences and, and it was just like, a, oh, damn, really? I have to take responsibility <laughs> for myself? It's like, yes, oh. I'm sorry that you do. And don't, you know, we, we really, it's very, very important. Now, I found that what you said about the melatonin really interesting because I know some people who will take melatonin and they say, it does nothing for me and it's never worked. I've tried all the different supplements. I have a liposome spray again that yep. I actually take before I go to bed. And I've never been a bad sleeper, but I take it for immunity. And then also, because I know that my body not making it anymore. So for those that just, you know, zoom their way through it, is that why it's not effective for them? It can be. So for those people, they would do better with a time-release melatonin. So the liposomal, as it turns out for them, isn't so helpful would not. because they just burn through it. Okay. So in that case, they actually need the slow release, the one that's going to, and for, and it's interesting because sometimes you get those people that wake up, they have these micro awakenings, you know, they wake up at two o'clock in the morning or something. Yeah. Sometimes that as that capsule or whatever it is, is dissolving and imagine that it's releasing like this tiny little bit of melatonin into the system. Sometimes it's just enough to keep them down, ah. just enough to keep them from that wake up. Okay. It's actually quite fascinating. I found that for myself, like I track my sleep with a ring called the Aura Ring. Yeah. The other piece of what I, you know, this whole biohacking thing. Yes. Um, and I find that uh, when I take melatonin consistently, my REM sleep gets a lot better for me. Interesting. Okay. Right? So okay. my deep sleep gets affected by certain things. My REM sleep seems to be more sensitive to the, um, to the melatonin. 
Interesting. Okay. So you just mentioned biohacking and I know that we don't have quite enough time to go into that. I actually <laughs> another, think, we do another I think we're going to have to do another, <laughs> another episode and have you back to um, have you back to talk about, talk about all of that because I just wanted to, I've been talking about this on some episodes where I said, you know, I really want to talk to somebody to start, to start delving into what else is there out there for us to be able to take charge of our own health, to be mm-hmm. able to really advocate for ourselves? Because probably a lot like you clients that come to me, they've tried to feel like they've tried everything and they've done everything and this is not working and that's not working. So I felt that the, the genetic side of things is something that we can really, you know, take on. But also in my own experience, when I had my had my test done and then all the results popped up on the app I was like I'm not really sure what to do with this information so it certainly sounds like uh sounds like the the balance that you've got going on where you're working with clients and then you add that in as one of the layers of what you do so I'm sure everybody's sitting there going just tell us how do we reach out to this woman (laughs) or how what's the test that you use or so just to wrap up why don't you tell us where people can find out more if they're like you know if that little light that that switch has gone off in their brain they're like yes I'm gonna (laughs) I need to try this well I'm super easy to find it's my name.com so natalienidham.com is my website okay um And so if you go to my website, you'll read a little bit more about some of the things that I do. It's a work in progress. I I just really got got it back up again. So forgive me if it's not super polished. I do have a friend who looked at it recently and was horrified and said, okay, we're fixing this. I'm like, oh, Oh, doesn't matter. They'll find you. They'll find you. Yeah. You can find me on the website uh, through the website. Um, you can find, I've also, um, I've also got this, this Facebook group, which is more for kind of the hardcore biohackers. So it may not be everybody's cup of tea. Okay. Um, and, um, you know, I think that's the best way to find me as far as the panel that I use goes, it's called the appear on genomic panel. So it is, um, it is only available through a practitioner such as myself. Yes. And, you know, I'm going to leave you with one last thing. There's one other gene that people, and I forgot to mention this, it's the APOA4 gene. I don't know if you've heard of this. So APOA4, people either don't have never heard of it, or it strikes fear into people's hearts. You can be an APOA2, an APOA3, or an APOA4. People who are APOA4, um, it turns out that genomic variation, and we never talk about mutation. We only talk about variations. That geno- because it turns out it has some advantages, but we don't have enough time to get into that. Okay. APOA4 is associated with a much higher risk of developing cognitive decline and cardiovascular disease, like significantly higher. And so I've had people in the past come to me and say, you know, I'm an APOA4, I- I'm, I'm doomed. And I'm like, you're not doomed because here's the good news. And this is what's so powerful about genomics. If you know that you're an APOA4, then we know that by following the right nutrition um, protocol, if you will, yep. right nutrition plan and exercise yes. and lifestyle, you can actually bring your chances right back down to the exact same as everybody else. Wow. And that power is so powerful, right? Because you've got people where these things run through their family like wildfire and they almost feel like they're walking around like a time bomb. They're doomed. Right. And you know what? You're not. You're not. You have so much control over your own outcome. So it's about being willing to kind of grab onto that, own it, and run with it. 
Oh, it's beautiful. Fabulous ending. And listeners, in case you didn't uh, catch uh, Natalie's email, I will, or sorry, at Natalie's website, I will put it in the show notes on leannephillipson.com. So have no fear. You can easily click through. I'll put a link there and, and all of Natalie's information. We'll put a, a photo in there and, uh, and then a little bit about her with, uh, with a slightly more lengthy bio because we always, <laughs> we never really say all the things that we can say because, you know, we're talking yeah, about ourselves. It's, so. of, it's, it's a waste of time on the show. People want to get to the meat. They can, yes. read about, they can read about us on another place. And it's Natalie with an H. We talked about this earlier. <laughs> we, we did. We did. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you some more information about that. And thank you so much for coming on today with this just really top level genomic and epigenetics and we'll definitely keep the conversation going i'm intrigued by more of the biohacking so thank you so much thank you this was great thanks so much This is Eat This with Leanne. Yes. <laughs> Natalie's links and information are all on leannephillipson.com along with the show notes, just in case you missed the things that she was saying. Because I know there were a couple of places where you thought, oh, what was the name of that test? Or what was that email? What What's your email? Or how can I find out more? So it's all there. Don't worry. Thank you so much to Natalie for sharing some really specific points that certainly has me intrigued enough to open up my app, the app and the test that I had done to see if I can find that cookie jar gene that she mentioned. And now I want to know a little bit more about that. Because, you know, who doesn't want to know if you're drawn to sugar and sweet foods because of your genes? Well, really knowing that doesn't necessarily give you an out, but wow, having that information would certainly ease off on thinking that you (laughs) suck when it comes to willpower just because somebody's put out a tray of something and you just can't eat one. You You got to eat the whole plate or the whole package. Or like Chris, who gets to the bottom of the, what is it, the ice cream container? I am already, I'm already writing Natalie a thank you note because now that I have an excuse, it's great. Thank yeah, you, but you so need the, much. It's you the, need the genetic tech test first I, to prove it I, before you can own it. Well, I don't need a tag. I can I can <laughs> I can botch the test. I can just type something up with, you know, tell a friend to sign it and go, look, honey, I, it's a cookie jar uh, gene I- issue. So pass the yeah. donuts. We've done 40 of these episodes and this is the this is the one episode where I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, have oh, I, wait, I have waited 40 episodes just to hear Natalie say that. <laughs> That's it. Right there. The cookie jar gene. It's mine. I own it. I got a reason. You just everybody else. Just leave me alone. I'm feeding my genetics. <laughs> Is that what it is? That's that's, exactly. what that's that's what's going to come up at the next meal at your household. Yeah, when, when, when the next meal is like cake and cupcakes and... <laughs> no vegetables in sight. It's okay, honey. It's all about my genes. That's it's it. My, it's my father's fault and his father before him. <laughs> yeah, I come by it naturally. Don't we always say that? Yes, we do. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, another thing that stood out for me was also like when you're following along on a particular diet trend or you're trying a new way of eating, like we've all seen it. It works brilliantly for some people and it's just a disaster for others. Have you come across someone who's completely evangelical about following the keto diet? Like it's been their savior. Or maybe you've come across a hardcore vegan And you think, but they're both really healthy. They're both 
seem happy and they feel good. So I don't know, like, what's the deal with all of this? I certainly see this a lot and, you know, have over the 20 years that I've been a nutritionist. So knowing that there is a success to a way of eating, or maybe it's a particular like or a dislike to a food, or maybe a drink, that some of this really does come down to the genes, give such validity to what we know works. As Natalie said, her clients feel better and even validated in their efforts. And it just gets rid of a whole host of questions about, like, why me, right? So whereas I don't get to the bottom of the ice cream tub and Chris does, That's not because I have more willpower necessarily. It could be a variant in our genes. And I just think that's a really big shift in trusting yourself more because there are things that we know innately. There are things that we know. I know that when I eat gluten and I eat wheat, I just don't feel great. I still do it, but I just don't feel great. Does that come down to my genetics? It's quite possible. Now, before you feel like, oh, I'm just going to jump on a new bandwagon, I'm going to do another diet, or I'm going to ditch a whole food group and deprive myself, this might be something you might want to look into. I also found it really fascinating when we talked about the epigenetic factors. And I know not everybody wants to hear this one, but 25% of your health is determined by your genes and the rest comes down to your choices, your lifestyle, your diet, your exercise, your sleep, your stress, and even your mindset. So yes, we are still largely responsible for our health outcome. And I'm saying this, I'm saying this with this tone of voice because <laughs> I know listeners can't see Chris in my Zoom window, but I can. And he just and he just went from like being all excited about having the out to like just slowly shrinking in the back of the screen. And I know I know you've you've likely just done the same thing. Better choices. Blah, blah, blah. Eat vegetables. Blah, blah, blah. I get it. Jeez. I know. I know. I I know. I I need to do better. And I'm going to do better. I am doing better. I shouldn't say that. Ever since I met you, I'm doing better. Good. I love that. I love that it's had some sort of impact and it's maybe only taken 41 episodes, but okay. Absolutely. I do say one mouthful at a time and I'm not kidding. That's right. I stand by that and I don't say different. All right. So this so this certainly can't be the end of the discussion about genetics. I don't know. Would you agree? I love that Natalie gave us a pretty top level introduction and a glimpse into the depth and the potential of genetic testing for health. And while I'm certainly no expert in this area, I know that I have genes that I'd like to keep switched off. There is heart disease, there is cancer and eyesight issues that I've mentioned in in previous episodes that's in my gene pool. And that's why, in part, why I think I do what I do or why I got into doing this, because what we eat is the most basic thing that we do. And with that said, there's one of the products in my line called Kid Boost, also called Skin Boost, that I have every single morning because I know that the superfoods in it have the potential to influence those genes that my mom and dad gave to me that I do not want switched on, especially to do with my eyesight because it's a pretty big thing that I notice, whereas I may not notice 
heart disease unless I go to the doctor and have my blood pressure taken and have more tests. So it's all a lot of the times what drives us are the things that we feel on the outside or are more aware of. So that's definitely something that drives me to think, keep on remembering to take that every single day. So what do you think about delving into this whole genetic thing? more together. I'll do some research. I'll bring you some information and then you share with me your experiences. If you've had a test or that there's more interest. I do know a colleague who lives and breathes this. So I'm going to reach out about having them come on and chat a little bit further with us about this particular, uh, this particular aspect of health as we just maybe go along in this journey together. Natalie and I also talked about biohacking. Well, that sounds fascinating. I'm not sure that it's for all of us, but we'll talk about that sometime too. So speaking about my Kid Boost, the superfood powder and all of the impacts on health, I've seen a lot of interest in my Take This line of supplements. I talk about them enough on this podcast, but I also know that it can be really overwhelming. I've heard a couple of people lately who go to the site and they're like, oh, this I'm so excited, but ugh, I don't want all seven. So where do I start? What do I need for myself? What do I need for my family? So if there was just one or maybe two that I could try out first, where would I go? So I'm going to answer all those questions because I've just launched a new 15-minute call to help you to decide. There's no charge. There's a ton of value and lots of insight that I'm going to cram into those 15 minutes so that you know that when you're ordering whatever it is from the Take This line, you know that you're getting the right product for you and your family. And as we've seen on today's episode, we don't all need the same things, but some of the foundational and key supplements, there are some that every single body needs. So we got to talk a little bit more about that. If you've got some questions or there's a topic that springs to mind that you'd like me to do a deep dive into, please reach out on social media. I do answer. You'll find me at SproutWrite and also at Leanne Philipson on most of the platforms. Also in the show notes, Natalie's links and all of her handles will be on leannephillipson.com. So head right on over there if you want to know a little bit more about her. It's also a great way to share episodes with other people. You can just take that link and pass it on because I know that there are a lot of people out there that aren't so podcast savvy just yet but embedded in with the show notes are a couple of links where they can just click and I'll take it take them right through to the podcast so I know that you're still wondering about that cookie jar gene and whether you've got it or not so I'll leave you with the usual to remember to eat this one mouthful at a time cookie jar gene or not any information and details expressed during this podcast can be found at SproutWrite.com or LeannePhillipson.com. <laughs>